Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Last week, we looked at a study which found that having a fixed mindset as a teacher can have a pretty negative effect on students' learning, where not only do they enjoy class less, but their grades suffer as well. And why is that? Well, it seems that we tend to communicate our mindset beliefs to students in many subtle ways, which in turn could lead students to worry more about being evaluated negatively by the teacher or their classmates, feel like they don't fit in and question whether they have what it takes to be successful in the class. So what is it exactly that fixed mindset teachers do or say that communicates this mindset to students? This question actually went beyond the scope of that particular study, but a number of readers shared some of the experiences that they've had with fixed and growth mindset teachers and how this affected them in either negative or positive ways, which you can check out at bulletproofmusician.com blog. But fortunately, there are also some other studies which have looked a little closer at the ways in which our mindset beliefs as teachers seep into how we interact with students. Today, I thought we could take a closer look at one of these studies, one that looks at a particular teaching moment, specifically how we respond to a student who is struggling. Like, what do we say or how do we console them when they are stuck on a plateau or when they have a really bad day in rehearsal or on stage? A team of researchers recruited 41 Stanford PhD candidates in math-related fields who were all teaching courses at the undergraduate level. They all started out by taking a growth versus fixed mindset assessment, and then they were asked to imagine that they were teaching an intro-level course and had to meet with one of the students in their class during office hours to discuss the first test of the year that the student had failed. The participants were asked how they might respond to the student. Like, would they try to comfort the student in such a way that suggested they performed poorly because of an inherent lack of ability? By consoling them for their grade, by telling them that plenty of people have trouble in this field but go on to be very successful in other fields? Or by explaining that not everyone is meant to pursue a career in this field? Or by selecting a teaching strategy that might inadvertently discourage the student, like talking to them about the possibility of dropping the class? Or would they try to support the student by suggesting that they find a tutor, or try a new study strategy? 
Well, as you can probably guess, the PhD candidates with more of a fixed mindset were more likely to select comforting strategies that assumed a lack of ability. They were also more likely to pick discouraging teaching strategies. So how might students respond if their real instructor spoke to them in this way? To take a closer look at this question, the researchers then recruited 54 Stanford students and asked them to imagine being in a calculus course, where they meet with a professor after the first test of the year and are told that they got a 65%. The professor notices that they aren't happy with the grade and says, I can understand that you are probably disappointed by your grade. And then the participants were presented with one of three different types of feedback from the professor. Some of the participants received feedback which suggested that the student focus more on their strengths and avoid their weaknesses. This would be comfort feedback. The professor said, I want to assure you that I know you are a talented student in general. It's just not the case that everyone is a math person. I want you to remember how great you do in other subjects. I want you to know what I'm going to do too. I'm going to make a point not to call on you as much in class because I don't want you to have the added pressure of putting you on the spot and I'm going to give you some easier math tasks to work on so you can get more comfortable with these skills. I want to assure you that I really care, so let's stay in contact about how you're doing in the class. Other participants received feedback which implied that they were capable but might need to work harder or try different ways of studying. This was strategy feedback. Professors said this, I want to assure you that I know you are a talented student in general. I want you to change your study strategies and consider working with a tutor. I want you to know what I'm going to do too. I'm going to make a point to call on you more in class and I'm going to give you more challenging math tasks. I want to assure you that I really care, so let's stay in contact about how you're doing in the class. And then there were participants who received relatively neutral feedback. This was control feedback. Professor said, I want to assure you that I know you are a talented student in general, and I want to assure you that I really care, so let's stay in contact about how you're doing in the class. So how would students interpret this feedback? Would they feel encouraged, motivated, feel that the professor believes in their ability or is invested in their success? And how might this affect their expectations of how well they'd eventually do in the class? Well, the participants who received comfort feedback rated the professors having lower expectations for their future performance and perceived them as also being less invested in their success than the participants who received strategy or control feedback. They also reported being less motivated and feeling less encouraged than the participants who received strategy or control feedback. Furthermore, while the strategy and control feedback participants expected to improve their grades over the remaining weeks of the semester or year and finish with an 80% average in the class, the comfort feedback participants anticipated that their grade in the class would stay pretty much the same as their level of the first test, at about a 65%. So what are we to take away from all of this? The researchers make some really compelling points in their conclusion that I think are worth highlighting because the practical implications of these studies, especially when combined with last week's, could potentially be quite meaningful. Going back to that first study with the PhD candidates who had to meet with a struggling student, remember that we're talking about a student who was admitted to Stanford. So they're clearly competent and motivated, but they are still new to college. It's the first test of the year, and fresh out of high school with no idea what kind of background they've had, it's very likely that they haven't yet developed an effective set of study skills and strategies for college. 
Yet, instead of attributing their poor test score to these situational factors and recommending strategies that could help them improve, the tendency for the fixed mindset PhD candidates was to suggest that the students consider giving up and going in a different direction after running into their first real challenge. Even though this might come from the most well-meaning place, where the instructor just wants to put the student in a position where they can be successful, the authors note that this is potentially a key turning point in students' lives, where the student learns to persevere through challenges, remains engaged, and goes on to major in that field and overcome other speed bumps along the way, or learns to quit when at first they don't succeed, and that it's important to focus only on those things that come easily to them, where as a consequence, certain fields or opportunities may be closed off to them. This all reminds me of a saying that I've heard some coaches say, that when you lose a game or something doesn't go right, it's best to blame the strategy, not the player. This seems like a pretty good way to remember the gist of these studies, where instead of attributing failure to a student's talent or intelligence, we can perhaps get more curious about their practice habits, study strategies, their mental game, and performance preparation methods, where we help them find something there to adjust and tweak, and perhaps can be remembered as the teacher who helped them believe in themselves when they weren't quite sure if they had what it took, rather than the one who had the best of intentions but inadvertently contributed to regrets of what might have been. You can find links to this week's study and other resources at bulletproofmusician.com blog. And if you found the episode helpful, Please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week. 